Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Today's broadcast of Tap into the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you, as always, I'm your ever so humble host, Tim Tap Committee, live from historic Roan County, Tennessee. And man, oh man, what a day it has been. The, the sun has barely been seen. It's been cloudy, it's been dark, it's been rainy. 
but it is still a bright and beautiful day here in East Tennessee. Part of the reason why the Republican National Convention began and it started with a bang. I tell you what, heard lots and lots of explaining, lots and lots of people telling you that the the days were were just dominated by uh, by Miss. Uh, now I'm drawing a blank. I'm sorry. It's absolutely insane. But uh, Senator Tim Scott, who did a great speech, a great speech, by the way, but it wasn't the most powerful tonight. Uh, we talked about Nikki Haley, who also great speech, not the best one of the night, not to me. The most effective speeches came from the people who are legitimate people of color, no less, but American stories, people who rose up. On their own accord, who stepped up and did phenomenal things because they embraced what made America great. You had Herschel Walker, fantastic speech, came up and said all the parts they don't want the leftists to hear you. They don't want the leftists to know that, guess what? A person of color who has seen real racism, not to battle with microaggressions, could use his talent, raise himself up, and become one of the greatest collegiate football players of all time and had a great, phenomenal uh, career in the USFL. Herschel chose to go that route. He was the first big-name player to do that, and he was well worthwhile. And the most important part of that is he got to know Donald Trump personally. They have been friends, good friends, and that speech was powerful. It was meaningful. And then uh, Maxima Aldress, the man nearly choked up remembering what his father had told him when he was a boy. And he gave the warnings against socialism and communism. He gave the warnings against the empty, false promises. Those were phenomenal speeches. But every moment that you saw real people, it came across in a way that was so authentic and so much better than you normally can expect those regular, everyday people to come through. Every one of them was meaningful. Every one of them had value. But those were the powerful ones. Now, I don't want to discredit anything that Tim Scott or Nikki Haley did because they were phenomenal too. And that's why all of these people had to be attacked. They had to be attacked. They had to be destroyed by the media. They had to be destroyed on Twitter because Twitter's where all the garbage people hang out. Trending for a good part of the night after Herschel took the stage, Uncle Tom. Disgusting. Yeah, but we're constantly berated and we're constantly told that we, the conservatives, are the ones who are racist. Sheesh. Is anybody listening? Is there any moderates out there that were paying attention? Did you hear what Herschel actually said? Did you hear what Herschel actually brought the message of? Did you hear, Maximo, the authentic desire, the authentic love of what this nation is and what it represents, and the heartfelt warning. Shoot, even Donald Trump Jr. was phenomenal. I mean, well above my expectations. 
my only uh, my only disappointment is I'm not going to get to see much of tonight's stuff because I'm doing this now, the time frame that's involved. But it was fantastic. It was phenomenal. It was great stuff. And I have no doubt and no question in my mind that it's only going to get better from there. The media had to attack these people because the media had no choice either uh, trying to berate Nikki Haley because Nikki Haley had the unmitigated gall to say America is not a racist country. Now, she didn't say there wasn't racism in America. She didn't say there weren't racist people in America. She didn't say that people didn't have to face the actions of racist individuals, but she said that America is not a racist country. And it doesn't matter if you want to look at the statistics or if you want to simply look at the general progress that this nation has made from its founding to today. It's clear that it's a very true statement. This is not a racist country. There is no systemic racism. There is no privilege other than those who have acquired power or wealth. Those things have their privileges. But you are just as free to move forward and to find your own way in this country as something that you simply cannot do just anywhere. It is a tragedy that so many people had so much vitriol towards the things that were said that they really wanted to try and cancel these individuals. That they wanted to pretend like there is no room for a black man who might think differently than what the Democrats tell you you should think. Is it any wonder that Joe Biden takes the black vote for granted? Is it any wonder that Joe Biden sits there and tells you that the black community is monolithic? Is it any wonder that Joe Biden continues to absentmindedly say one racist thing after another? And yet, no, sorry, we're covering for Joe. That's just Joe being Joe. Donald Trump is the racist. He is the orange man who's bad. He is the kicker of puppies and the eater of babies. He is the one who cannot be trusted, and all because he has an R at the end of his name, and that is it. It was a good night. For the Republican Party because they brought forth the message with a little hitting back uh, at some of the allegations that have been made and a, a few swipes here and there about virtue signaling and about letting mob rules the streets. But for the most part, it was about the positivity of this great nation, of how this nation continues to provide opportunities for all and how when we put aside our desire to focus on color or religion or sexual preference. When we put all that to the side instead of trying to let that define who you are, suddenly we find ourselves able to move forward together and accomplish great things. How about that? What a novel concept. What an idea, boys and girls. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. It was good. All right, so uh, tonight's show will be rebroadcast on terrestrial radio, so let me take this opportunity 
Uh, to remind everybody that this is indeed Tuesday night, the time of the live broadcast. It is August the 25th of 2020. It is uh, about a quarter till eight at the moment, p.m. Eastern, because I had to get a bit of a later start than usual. Technical difficulties at the home broadcasting platform that uh, created a lot of other issues as well. In fact, uh, my friend Chief, he wasn't able to do his show at all, uh, trying to get through, and it was uh, absolutely astounding that uh, he could not get through. I'm being told by Doug that uh, it seems as if the issues of BTR has a lot to do with bandwidth this evening as uh, the audio is kind of going in and out. Uh, of course, nobody is in the chat room due to the late start. Uh, however, I would imagine a few folks might notice that uh, the chat room is open and will sneak over here, or at least I'm hoping that's a possibility. And meanwhile, I do have guests scheduled this evening. However, they will uh, they're scheduled for what would have been 8:30, uh, which would have been the uh, bottom of the second hour of the broadcast. Uh, the way that will turn about due to the late start uh, is that we'll actually be at the top of the second hour now. Should be an interesting conversation. So for those of you uh, who enjoy some of the uh, interviews that happen here, uh, be sure to tune in for that. Uh, if you're listening via terrestrial radio, you may very well have to tune in tomorrow to hear uh, what I'm discussing today, because I would imagine you'll hear it immediately after this broadcast. Although, to be honest, I don't know. A lot of great radio stations rebroadcast the show, but they all have unique schedules, and sometimes uh, when things run amok, it's not a case where I make it any easier for them. Uh, some of those great radio stations, I want to give a shout-out to them right now, by the way, include KYAH, 540 AM, Utah's Talk Authority. Always glad to talk to all you fine folks listening in Utah. Got you every morning, Monday through Sunday early. So glad you guys are tuning in and digging the show. Uh, of course, uh, the fine folks at WCET. Uh, WCET Radio is a phenomenal organization based out of South Carolina, and I got a lot of love for those folks because they actually take the time to put me on live. Can you believe that? So uh, by all rights, I am uh, I'm straight up not just an independent show host any longer. Great, it is working now. Uh, but I am a, an official uh, on-air host at WCET, so that's always kind of a cool moment when you're trying to do the independent thing and then you manage to continue to grow the audience. It's a good thing. Also want to give a similar shout out to the folks at KDIL. That's 105.7 in FM in Kennewick, Washington. And of course, KOII 94.5 FM in Flagstaff, Arizona. You guys get the show, and I'm glad you do. All right, so we've got a couple of topics that I definitely want to get to. Uh, technical issues aside, uh, we do have things going on and things other than just the Republican convention. Now, again, great first night. I'm going to say it one more time, just a phenomenal. But while there were a lot of great moments, I think 
the closing, the last few speakers were exactly what you needed. They were strong. They were powerful. Like I said, uh, Donald Trump Jr., um, much better than my expectations for him. Very cutting, but not over the top, and everything factually true despite what the fact checkers from the left will tell you. Uh, Gilfoy, though, uh, former... With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Fox, babe. Uh, Current girlfriend of uh, Donald Trump Jr. also is my understanding. Uh, she was a little awkward. Uh, she was given one of those rousing, powerful. She seemed to have forgotten she was in an empty uh, space. <laughs> I, uh, I I dig the passion. I do. And you know, if there had been a big crowd there, that probably would have been ideal for the circumstances. But. It just came across a little awkward with no crowd reaction, and she was still playing it as if there was. I mean, maybe she heard it in her head. Maybe they're piping in sound uh, for Bluetooth. I don't know. (laughs) But uh, again, the message was decent, but uh, that was probably the weakest uh, performance of the evening. I mean, and when, when you look at it in total, if that's the worst that happened all night, that was a pretty good night anyway. I mean, that was still pretty good in comparison to, you know, everything that happened last week at the Democrats' convention. But despite that, there are things going on that have nothing to do with the convention. So I want to get on some of these topics before I end up talking myself out of time, as I so often do. <laughs> Imagine that. Me, the guy who likes to talk. You know, one of the things that I came across the other day, and all of these are actually Monday stories. I, I don't have any Tuesday stories today. Uh, so, you know, take that for what you will. All of these are Monday stories, but they're, these are stories that I think are more noteworthy than things I came across today, other than one issue uh, that I will try to touch on, but there's still a lot of information. The, the shooting in Wisconsin. Um, It led to riots, and the news today, although you're not going to hear it from the majority of the mainstream sources, is that there is a new video – there's a new angle of video footage that at least gives the police officers in question a little more benefit of the doubt uh, because it clearly looks as if something was in his hand as he was going for, and again, still I I think – There's a lot of information that hasn't been shared there as well, evidently. I mean the biggest criticisms that I heard today talking in the the water cooler talk was uh, statements like, oh, I think I would have tased him first. Well, evidently, according to the reports out there, they did try to tase him first, and either the taser malfunctioned or he has one of those unique occasions where he's not particularly susceptible. To them, and there are some people out there like that where, uh, you know, they're zapped, but it's not something that is going to stop them. That's a very rare thing, 
and usually it's where people have spent time getting zapped and being zapped. And, and you know what I love about this story, and by love I mean hate with a passion, is the fact that the media kept trying to play it off as if this guy was some kind of good Samaritan just trying to break up a fight. There were kids uh, in that car. That that makes it terrible. They got to see this man shot in front of them. Well, by all intentions here, this is a man who was not a good Samaritan just trying to break up a fight between two women. This is a man who, in fact, had warrants out for his arrest. Now, he managed to survive this incident. He's recuperating right now in a hospital room, and he is going to jail as soon as he is healthy enough to do so because he has aggravated sexual assault against children. So, yeah, we should have just let that guy get back in the car and drive away. I mean, he probably would have been in a high-speed chase. He's probably not supposed to be around children. So that's actually an additional crime. Uh, you know, just lots of new things breaking out there. So, you know, I don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole because I am one of these guys that tells you or tries to to sit back, relax, and let's let the information uh, leak out. And it will. Now, as we get more information available, it's going to be up to people like myself and Don Smith and Ron Edwards and Andy Ubellis and uh, anybody else who takes the time to discover the truth and wants to get the truth out there to tell you fine folks what's really happened. All the information that the legacy media doesn't want you to know, doesn't want to tell you because that's the kind of information that might just spoil the narrative. That's the kind of information like you might get from Herschel Walker talking about Donald J. Trump. That's the kind of information that you might get from Nikki Haley talking about how America is not, I repeat, not a racist nation. It's the kind of information that you might get from a Tim Scott who will tell you that from cotton to Congress in one lifetime is the true story of America, not endemic, systematic racism yeah so that's the only today story Cajun <laughs> uh, in the chat room uh, he slid in here a little while ago he was telling me that Arizona anti-hero is in the WCET chat room right now uh, we're not live simulcasting today so it uh, doesn't seem to matter. I see Chief just snuck into the chat room. Hey, Chief, I did finally make it on air. It only took an extra 30 minutes. Yay. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and so at any rate, in the event that Arizona Antihero hears this rebroadcast and is hanging out in the uh, chat room, then, hey, uh, thanks for hanging out in the WCET chat room. All right. So at any rate, that's the only Tuesday news I really felt like getting into. It's like, Let's, let's hold back. Let's wait. Let's get some information, shall we? In the meanwhile, here's some uh, some Monday news that really got my attention. Seems the Virginia Health Commissioner is going around telling everybody that he's going to mandate COVID-19 vaccine for all state residents. Yeah. The Virginia Health Commissioner says that he plans to mandate that all Virginians take the COVID-19 vaccine once one is available to the public. Quote, it is killing people now. 
We don't have a treatment for it. And if we develop a vaccine that can prevent it from spreading in the community, we will save hundreds and hundreds of lives. Uh, this is, of course, from Dr. Norman Oliver. Now, Virginia state law actually does give the commissioner of health, believe it or not, the authority to mandate immediate immunizations during a public health crisis. So if a vaccine is available, that is, that's kind of where I'm going to have to raise a question. But um, at any rate, according to the health officials, they say that the immunization could be released as early as 2021. And according to 8 News, the local news carrier, Dr. Oliver says that as long as he is still the health commissioner, he intends to mandate the coronavirus vaccine. Again, I'll remind you, under state law in Virginia, people with a medical exemption are the only ones allowed to refuse the mandatory vaccine. The Virginia General Assembly is currently considering a bill during an ongoing special session that eliminates the authority of the Commissioner of Health to require immunization of individuals who object to such administration on religious grounds. The bill first needs to make it out of committee in the House of Delegates, which is unfortunately for you fine folks in Virginia, uh, the Commonwealth is currently uh, controlled by Democrats. And it's got to do that before the full chamber will vote. Now, Oliver says he strongly opposes the bill. Uh, well, gee, imagine that. I don't want people to say because of religious grounds you get out of this. I'm mad enough as it is that you said if there's a medical reason that they get out of it. Come on, man. You know the thing. No, wait, that's the wrong uh, would-be dictator. <laughs> He's really upset. He opposes the bill. He doesn't know what the punishment would be for noncompliance, but expects that most people will respond well to the mandate. Now, I, I'm going to have to stop right there for a second. Mostly because we are getting really close to the uh, the half hour break, but I I'm scratching my head and I'm wondering what is the purpose? First of all, why Virginia? Why did you ever let a situation occur so that a person who is appointed a bureaucrat would have that kind of power over you? See, they shouldn't. You shouldn't be forced to take a vaccine, and I'll tell you why it's in fact dangerous to try and take this vaccine right now because even though Operation Warp Speed sounds great in theory, and hey, I'm not against it, by the way. I love the idea of fast-tracking everything and getting things moving in the right direction, but the problem is we are still moving way too quickly with potential vaccines to understand how this is going to be affecting people long-term. See, there's only one way to get long-term data, and that's to do long-term testing. So if there is a vaccine that is deemed viable and available to the fine folks by 2021, that's still going to be way too soon to have any idea if it's really safe or not. Now, that's a little something that nobody on either side wants to tell you because everybody wants to sound like they're moving ahead and doing the right thing. Uh, you got 
uh, creepy Uncle Joe, uh, handsy feely, uh, barely there Biden running around trying to tell people that he's got a plan, and his plan sounds an awful lot like what Donald Trump's already doing, with a few exceptions. Because he wants to shut everything down. First, he'll tell you he doesn't want to do it, but secondly, he says, well, I'll shut it down if that's what the experts say. Joe, you're not supposed to follow the experts blindly. You're supposed to take the experts' opinions. You're supposed to take their advice. You're supposed to weigh it against the remainder of your responsibilities to the country and then make the best decision possible. Barely there, Biden. I'm sorry, Hensy, feely, creepy Uncle Joe. You don't have all of the information that Donald Trump does right now. And there literally is nothing in your plans as far as your national, well, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, that either hasn't already failed miserably or, or Donald Trump is doing currently. <clears throat> anyway, Virginia Freedom Keepers, director of communications, is supporting the bill that is designed to give a religious exemption. Now, where is the general exemption to people who just don't want to take the vaccine? Let's say on the grounds that we really have no idea how safe it is just yet. And if I'm willing to continue to either go into lockdown to self-quarantine myself, to wear bloody masks if that makes you happy, and to social distance from all you creepy, scaredy cats out there, if I'm willing to do all that, why can't I say no to something until you've got some data at least five years out that tells me, okay, well, it still seems to be safe. It's not causing birth defects. It's not causing uh, long-term brain damage. It's not causing some type of internal organ damage. You know, Let me know what the long-term ramifications of this is because you can't know these things in a short period of time. There are some things you can speed up. You can cut all the red tape in the world and get us moving forward. Yes, and thank you, Donald Trump, for doing that. But you still can't incubate this in real-world time without spending real-world time to do it. Well, uh, generally speaking, in 97% of the population that we have tested this vaccine on, it appears to be completely safe and harmless for now. That has to be the disclaimer. So I want to know why the fine folks in Virginia, when they put together House Bill 5016, didn't take the time to say, hey, you know what, maybe – and I'm just spitballing here, but maybe we should have took a, a little time to think about this. Maybe we should have said we're not going to let anybody force vaccinations on somebody until we know for sure how safe it really is. Now, over 5,000 Virginians in just the last 24 hours have asked how they can support House Bill 5016, following the Virginia State Health Commissioner's statement to ABC 8 News this past Friday. Uh, you know, the statement where he says he plans to mandate the coronavirus vaccinations for Virginians once it is made available to the public. Now, current Virginia law gives him that power. Now, I'm quoting from the, uh, the communications director of, uh, of Virginia Freedom Keepers. 
She said that – now I lost my place. She said uh, current Virginia law gives him that power, but House Bill 5016 proposes an amendment for each Virginian to choose for themselves whether to take, delay, or decline the shot without penalty. Now, again, that's not what it says up here. It says on religious grounds. Now, I suppose anybody could claim a religious exemption. If they're smart in how they write this, they'll have some type of sentiment to try and stop that. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. But uh, it's it's scary stuff. Now, uh, also, yeah, I, I keep coming back to this. How does this happen? You know, how do we get to this point? I thought Virginians were smarter than that, but then I saw them uh, sweep in uh, a freaking not just blue wave, but a blue tidal wave uh, to give full control of their state over to not just Democrats, but very, very left-leaning, ultra-leftist Democrats. You know, it's the type of folks that actually makes AOC look like a centrist. These are the kind of people they elected. Now, they ran promising to be moderate and middle of the road and common sense. But it's clearly not who they are. I mean these folks were the source of a lot of inspiration for me to write some uh, highly critical of them articles that have been um, some of the most well-received, most shared, and most read articles that I've ever written. Their effort to come after the uh, pre-born and their efforts to continue to try and put illegals ahead of citizens, uh, it's monumental. But you could expect – could you expect anything less from the state that has Governor Blackface? <laughs> Chief in the chat room says, I propose a law that says all leftists must receive a brain transplant when one becomes available. I like that, Chief. Maybe we should try that. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> might actually help. In the meanwhile, it is about the midway point of the hour, a little bit past now. So uh, let's transition. I still have been very lazy, have not uh, – not lazy. I've had issues uh, – have not downloaded the latest of the Edwards Notebooks. So uh, we'll play some that are still relatively new for me because I still just recently got these. Uh, we'll do that. Uh, songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans, Tip of the Day. 
and uh, we'll go from there. You guys don't go anywhere. I'll be right back after this. Has liberal theology created a stumbling block with ravenous issues besetting our republic? Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, the answer is, unfortunately, a resounding yes. Throughout history, when Christians operated according to the principles enumerated in the Word of God, depending on the situations, things improved either quickly or, in some cases, in the long run, such as the founding of the United States, which took several years to establish a republic based upon the biblical concepts of liberty and personal responsibility, eliminating the need for individuals to be dominated from cradle to grave by brutish kings or dictators. Unfortunately, in recent years, Christian denominations and organizations like the Southern Baptist Convention that used to defend liberty and pray for God's blessings upon our republic have been infiltrated by the same liberal theology that dominates the mindsets of Black Lives Matter and Antifa USA haters who want our unalienable rights and prosperity done away with. Real Christians and conservatives must now reassert our authority under God and reestablish liberty and justice for all. If not, forget about it. I'm Ron Edwards. Check out theronedwards.com. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. Hello and welcome to Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans Tip of the Day. I'm Dan Perkins. Are you like me and you can't manage your prescription refills that always seem to be out? Well, now the VA service has a great service for you. With this service, you can refill your VA prescriptions online, view your past and current VA prescriptions, and track the delivery of each prescription mailed to you. For more information, go to the VA.com and look for the prescription refill program. This has been your Veterans Tip of the Day. Hello, Americans. Tim Tap here again for the Tap into the Truth Voter Apathy Project. Are you someone that believes that taking guns away from law-abiding citizens makes America safer? Do you believe that fewer police in the communities that are suffering from the highest rates of crime is a good idea? Do you believe that Hollywood celebrities are so much smarter than the rest of us that we should listen to what they have to say and live our lives the way they want us to? Then congratulations, you've got what it takes to be part of the Voter Apathy Project. You've already demonstrated that you don't care enough to understand why the framers created the Second Amendment in the first place. You've also demonstrated that you don't care enough to understand crime statistics and why they matter. And you've also demonstrated that you're simply not willing to think for yourself. So if you've said yes to any of those questions, maybe instead of going to go vote, you should just go watch another movie. This has been Tim Tapp reminding you that if you don't care enough to tap into the truth, you should just stay home on Election Day. All righty then. Uh, That's right, ladies and gentlemen. If you don't care enough to tap into the truth, you should just stay home on Election Day. You should not bother to get a mail-in ballot. You should not bother because you're not well-informed enough to have a legitimate opinion. Now, you can have an opinion, 
but it's not legitimate. It means nothing. It's not informed. Without informed opinions and without truly understanding issues and possible ramifications of policies, not that the Democrats have offered up any policies just yet on the official platform in the upcoming election, just orange man bad, which you know, that's not a policy. It's a fallacy, but it's not a policy. Um, other than that, you know, you know, just just don't just don't vote. I, I'm not even being satirical anymore. If you're not smart enough to figure out some of this stuff for you, if you don't have some freaking skin in the game, uh, don't bother. You don't get to you don't get to have a voice in making the rules for the game if you don't face real world ramifications from said game. All right. Anyway, you know what? Right now, I got to tell you, boys and girls, things are scary and only getting scarier. Uh, you've got rioting and mobs running around in parts of the country at one point in time that you thought would have never been imagined, let alone allowed, should it happen. You, of course, still have the COVID-19 virus running rapid around the country. Fortunately, it's not particularly dangerous for most folks. Now, Again, I'm not trying to belittle it or uh, anything else like that. It, for the people that it is serious to, the people who have real health consequences as a result of getting it, there is no consolation to those folks whatsoever that it's not really affecting a lot of other people. Now, of course, they'll say, Tim, how can you say that? Well, look at the deaths per million uh, ratio. We're doing pretty good. Okay. And uh, most people that are dying uh, have underlying health conditions and probably would have also died from the flu if they had gotten it or even just a really bad cold. Uh, it's, it's an exacerbation of pre-existing conditions. What makes it dangerous is that it's so easily spread. But with everything going on out there, it is entirely plausible that you may find yourself in a set of circumstances where you cannot get out there to get to the grocery store where you may not be able to get out and have those things that you direly, desperately need in order to survive. And let me tell you something. This show is all about enjoying the blessings of liberty, and you cannot thoroughly enjoy individual liberty without taking individual responsibility for yourself, and a big part of being responsible is – providing for yourself, being self-reliant, and being self-reliant means that if you can't grow a garden in your backyard, that you have a backup supply of food, and the best way to go about doing that, uh, there's some other great options out there, but the best way remains my Patriot Supply. I've got a link into today's show description. Uh, for those of you that are BTR, the link will work. You see My Patriot Supply. You can just click it. For those of you that are listening via podcast and you're looking at the show description from there, if the link doesn't work, for some of you it still will, a lot of you it won't. If it doesn't, directly below My Patriot Supply, you will see a link that will take you to the four-week kit. Just copy and paste that into your browser, and it will take you there just as well. And I'm asking you to use these links, please, because that's how they know I sent you. Uh, trust me, you want the four-week kits. You probably want to get multiples. Uh, there are still delays in shipping, so get your orders placed as early as possible so that you can get your product in. These things are rated to last for 25 years if need be. But the way things are going, 
you might need it as early as next month. I just I don't like the idea of putting panic porn out there, but just something to keep uh, in the back of your mind. Uh, things aren't exactly settled, and what do you think all these people that are out there rioting and carrying on right now are going to do when they find out that the orange man who's bad is staying at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue? Um, I think if you don't already have some food supplies, if you can't hold up, if you're not in a part of the country that is more conservative than not, then you may have be may be spending a lot of time wishing you'd went ahead and ordered. So that's my Patriot Supply right there. Now, another big story for this week, other than Nancy Mimi Pelosi and her adoption of the notion that somehow Donald Trump is an enemy of the people. I'm pretty sure she spent a lot of time complaining that when Donald Trump said stuff like that about the mainstream media, about the legacy media, that that was just divisive and rhetoric and and hateful. But she has no qualms about calling Donald Trump and any of the people. And all of us, ladies and gentlemen, all of you, if you're one of the deplorables, she thinks you're an enemy of the people. And she has the nerve, the unmitigated gall to wrap herself up in the Constitution. Man, I mean, to my mind, that has to be something akin to Satan wrapping himself in the Bible. And that had to be something that the whole time she was doing it, that had to burn her tongue saying the Constitution so many times. I mean, it had to. And I'm sorry, clearly also once again demonstrating that she does not know what is in the Constitution. Talking about, uh, we take an oath to protect the country from all enemies both foreign and domestic, and Donald Trump is a domestic enemy. Shut up, Pelosi. I don't know who's buying that crap, but that, a lot like the Democratic National Convention last week, uh, takes Democratic stance and takes it from a point of being just ironically unaware to complete and total parody. And that also is very big. Now, that got under my, uh, ruffled my feathers a bit. This story really, really kind of gave me – because I hadn't heard the Nancy Pelosi story yet when I first came across this. But there are black professors now that are officially demanding the abolition of white mainstream English for black linguistic justice. I'm quoting now. Uh, really, uh, eubonics has got to be the way to talk. No, I don't think so. In July, a subcommittee of an organization called the Conference on College Composition and Communications that named itself the Why We Can't Breathe. I'm kidding, not can't. Why we C-A-I-N apostrophe T. Why we can't breathe. Now, they're intentionally trying to phrase it in a way that they associate with what they believe to be common black speak seems kind of insulting to me. Now, if you're somebody going around and you actually talk like that, then maybe you don't understand why that should be so upsetting to you. They're patronizing you. They are they are patronizing you to the point that you should be insulted, even if you don't understand what part is patronizing to you. They're trying to pretend like you ain't smart enough to understand how to communicate, you know? You know what I'm saying. Come on, man, you know. <sighs> Why we can't breathe. Now, this the subcommittee 
published a list of demands, demands, they say, calling for the abolition of, and I'm quoting here, white mainstream English to make way for black linguistic justice. I'm sorry, where does justice come from by speaking slang? I mean, I ain't got a problem with people talking slang. I I do it myself on occasion. Now, there are some people that I can't help myself. Sometimes I do it for comedic effect. Sometimes it's really how I'm feeling because I have spent time with people that legitimately talk that way. Now, you don't hear me talking black right there and the you know the kind of the St. Louis and and that rap scene because I will hang out with people from there. Um, They've kind of adopted it and it's moved around some, but you might hear me uh, saying some things that sound like they might be from the hood up here in Knoxville. And again, I'm not trying to make fun of nobody. I, I, I know people. I've known people. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. For a long time. Now, they give me a hard time because they know that I'm just a cracker white boy. I've been called that a few times that they were playing. So I took no offense. But man, black linguistic justice, where do you get just? I don't understand. So five English professors and a writing scholar created this list of demands claiming that students need to decolonize their minds as well as the English language. Now, this decolonized business, uh, it seems to be one of the new battle cries for it. I miss the days when the Democrats were at least smart enough to use the battle cry of it's for the children because it's hard to say, well, you know what? I'm going to vote for them even though they appear to be against children. See, that kind of thing works. But this decolonizing thing, that is some new level brainwash indoctrination millennials and younger collegiate crap. First and foremost, the colonization of this country it's done happened. You can't undo the colonization without undoing everything about the nation. And that means, surprisingly, a lot of you guys, you got to go. Bye-bye now. You can't stay here like that. Not that you care, but you can't because you're part of the colonizers. So go on. Move on. Go. go. You're not going to like where you land, but get out if you don't like it. Decolonize it. That is the thing that really kills me more than anything. These people who want to act like America's a terrible place. 
it's a horrific place here, guys. I mean, we do. We need to just undo everything. What about actually standing on the principles? Well, the people who get – no, forget about the people for just a second. Let's forget about the fact that first and foremost, a lot of these people did a lot of great things that allow you to have some freedom today. We'll, we'll put that to the side. Let's forget about the people, and let's just look at the principles. The principles that this nation was founded on are the principles of, uh, principles of individual liberty. They're the principles of you being allowed to pursue your happiness within reason. You know, don't go out there being a criminal. But you got the freedom to pursue. If you don't have the guarantee of success, that part's on you. Now the man's keeping me down. Well, I got bad news for you. A lot of you folks that are out there thinking that the man is holding you down, nine times out of ten, the only man holding you back is you. The only man or only woman who's holding you back is you. And lots of times it's because you get wrapped up in this thought process where you want to believe that it's because the country is systemically racist when half of you aren't even able to define what you believe systemic racism to be. It's just a whole group of systems because white guys came up with it. First of all, that's not systemically anything. That's just the fact that a group of white guys recognize that individual liberty might be a good thing for everybody. And some of them were smart enough to realize that not Everybody was ready to just say, hey, let's do it for everybody. So it took some time. Was it wrong? Yes. Do we all recognize that now? Yes. Did everybody recognize it then? No. No, they did not. And they came up with any excuse they wanted to, but why? Because as Chief will happily point out to you on a multitude of broadcasts, that people often act in their own self-interest. It's one of those simple facts of life he likes to tell you about. Uh, Anyway, back to this story. Uh, The five chief demands from this group were as follows. We demand that teachers stop using academic language and standard English as the accepted communicative norm which reflects white mainstream English. Now, that's going to really suck for me if they decide to do that because I spent a lot of time working to improve my academic language and standard English for my writing. And I was some money on programs to help me get better at that as well. And, you know, I am a fan of Grammarly and I use Grammarly uh, quite a bit. So. It allows me to write quickly and then go back, and it does half of the editing for me. So there's that. Demand number two. We demand that teachers stop teaching black students to code switch. Instead, we must teach black students about anti-black linguistic racism and white linguistic supremacy. Really? Why we got to teach that? That's not even a real thing. Oh, oh, man. Did you hear me? I just said that. I just said that. I'm canceled, guys. Just, you know, stop listening now. Uh, 
Be sure to distance yourself appropriately. I don't want to take any of you fine folks down with me. I, I just, I just called it out. That's not a real thing. Sorry. English is English. Guess what? Uh, the uh, folks living in the uh, United Kingdom, they think that everything we say over here is guttural and harsh and not really English. So as far as they're concerned, so think about it from their point of view. Bottom line is there are rules to being able to communicate, and some of those rules are that things have to be consistent. There needs to be uh, the ability to communicate. You need to be able to consistently put a pause where a pause needs to be. You need to be able to consistently be descriptive without necessarily being uh, offensive, I guess would be good. You need to be able to, to, to manipulate your language in a way that allows you to adequately communicate what you're saying, and that requires standard English. For the most part. Now, there are exceptions. There are conditions where this isn't the truth. I mean, if you're if you're writing fiction, for example, and your story involves somebody who legitimately talks that way, and you're having those conversations, then yeah, throw it in there and hope people understand. There's at least half a dozen people who might take the time to read it that are from your neighborhood who will get it completely. But what happens to the rest of the people that don't understand a bit because it's so – Local. Doesn't matter much, does it? All right, so anyway, no more code switching. We've got to teach these black students about anti-black linguistic racism and the white linguistic supremacy. Also, we demand that political discussions and praxis center black language as teacher, researcher, activism – for classrooms and communities. What? I don't think I even understand that. Perhaps they already started. We demand that political discussions and praxis center black language as teachers, researchers, activism for classrooms and communities. Isn't there something missing from that? I mean, we demand that political discussions and and praxis center black language – we demand that political discussions what? I, I There's something missing. We demand black linguistic consciousness, meaning we got to understand what they be saying. You know it's on us. If we don't get it, you know that, that's us not being sensitive enough, and we need to be more sensitive to the people that don't want to take the time to learn how to communicate with us. It's, it's our fault. We need... To meet them 100% with that instead of even trying to, to meet them halfway, please. We demand that black dispositions are centered in the research and teaching of black language. There is no black language in America. There are local dialects. But the language is still English, except in the parts that speak Spanish. Now, if you're talking more 
figuratively about black languages and having a black voice and being genuinely black, authentic. Okay, that's one thing. But I don't get the impression that that's what they mean here. And, you know, perhaps, perhaps part of the reason I'm not getting that impression and that might still actually be their impression is because they haven't done a very good job of communicating this, uh, leading me to question whether or not these people should even have a voice in how English is taught. In the first place, just saying. So the six authors included Michigan State professors April Baker Bell and Lamar Johnson, Cal State University Fullerton professor Bonnie Williams-Bearer, Boston University professor Devana Jackson, Texas Christian University Carmen Kenyard, and English scholar Tiara McMurty. Uh, reportedly affiliated with the University of Alabama at Birmingham. I, I'm not going to continue down the path of everything that's involved with this, but that is just, just mind-boggling. I mean, seriously. College professors trying to teach people this stuff? No wonder. Nobody's coming out of college understanding anything. All right. Uh, that's going to have to be where I leave this first hour at. We will uh, do the little split up as usual uh, to reset the hour for all those radio stations rebroadcast on an hourly basis. In the meanwhile, I want you guys to remember whatever else you do, stay safe, uh, stay healthy, and be smart even if it goes against your nature. And please, please remember whatever else you take from the show. Do not take my word for it. Definitely don't take theirs. Be prepared to put in some effort and more importantly to use your brain if you're really – want to tap into the truth. Remember, because of the 30-minute delay, uh, starting at the top of the hour, for those of you who are here live, we'll go right into uh, my scheduled interview. So you guys don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. like a thousand years since we had real fears but the old ones won't forget these broken levee walls had a few close calls but they haven't fallen yet and you know the rain Such a vicious drought, even hopes in doubt, but there are no clouds in the sky, but you know the rain. When you feel the first drop fall, when it kisses your skin, the storm will begin to bring with it promise of change. When you
face in a crucial stage. Not because of foreign wars we wage. More to do with the colors blue and red. You said you lost too much government. Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread. Right across the border Politicians build a new world order Too many minds are convinced they should be led I've got to be free The way God made sense And I won't be ruled by the dancing wind Taking your rights to self-defense They say you're safe but they don't make sense Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I'm your ever so humble and, you know, mostly peaceful host, Tim Zapp, coming live from historic Roan County, Tennessee. Uh, glad to have all you folks with me today. Uh, we are uh, doing things a little different from the normal format. Usually we do the guest at the bottom of the hours as we uh, schedule in. But today, because of uh, technical glitches and all the good stuff, we got a little bit later start. So we're fixing that up by bringing the guest on at what would be the normal scheduled time. But uh, outside of the normal format, we will start right off the top right here for hour two. Uh, I'm bringing on it is my pleasure and honor to welcome Mark Sharon. He is one of the uh, authors of The Freedom Model for Addictions. 
Escape the Treatment and Recovery Trap. And uh, he's been kind enough to come on with us. So, uh, Mark, first and foremost, thank you so much for being with us tonight. I greatly appreciate taking some of your very valuable time to speak with uh, all the great listeners out there. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me on the show. All right. Well, the uh, pleasure is mine. Of course, uh, I wanted to ask about whether or not COVID-19 is uh, uh, having a situation where it's harming more people by virtue of the lockdowns, you know, the the increased suicides and uh, substance abuse. We've been hearing these. A lot of people warned that as a possibility of the shutdowns earlier. But before we do that, I want to get into a little bit about why you are the type of person who might have a little inside knowledge about that and be able to speak with some level of expert. Basically, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the freedom model. Uh, First of all, a very uh, unique look at at, uh, substance abuse and and an effort to try and find uh, a better model for helping people move forward. Uh, So before we get into that, uh, tell everybody a little bit about the co-authors and then what the premise behind uh, the book was initially. Sure. Uh, well, uh, I started this whole research project 31 years ago when I was just 19 years old. And people, people have often asked me, you know, why would you, <laughs> you know, why would you start a research project on addiction uh, when you were 19? And I, it was sort of a unique set of uh, circumstances. I come from a family that was steeped in treatment and um, was a full supporter of, of that model, the disease model. And it never made any sense to me, even as a young man. And I ran into a lot of trouble when I was young. I drank for and, and drugged for about six years. And then uh, I had a terrible experience in treatment. I was stuck in treatment mandated by the state um, for 18 months. And it was a, a horrendous experience. And they tried to convince me that I had a disease, and I said, "There's no, there, there's no uh, disease here. There's no pathology. There's, you have to explain this to me." And they couldn't. And when they couldn't explain it to me over the course of 18 months, I said, "That's because they don't know, and they've made this up." And I'm going to find out why, and uh, a better way to do things than to trap and coerce people and try to scare them into abstinence, which didn't seem to work with all the people that I was going to treatment with. So essentially, I, I embarked on a, well, a, a three-decade quest, and uh, myself, Stephen Slate, uh, he's probably the preeminent uh, researcher on addiction today. Uh, Michelle Dunbar, she's worked with me for 30 years. We put our heads together over the course of, of a lot of decades, and, and we wrote a book based on helping over 9,000 people move past their addictions. So that's sort of the, the 30 years in a nutshell of who I am and why I do what I do. So you got a lot of firsthand experience and you realized that what you were being told just wasn't the case for you. And you went about trying to discover uh, a truth. I I find it uh, uh, incredible because I am guessing right here, I I have no idea to what extent, but I'm guessing there's been a lot of pushback from the academics and the people who are uh, thoroughly enamored with the uh, disease model. Uh, They probably want to discredit you and just don't like the idea that you're trying to poke a little hole in their bubble because uh, (laughs) a lot of people have – they've – 
they've made a career out of this model. Uh, what has the uh, what has the response been, especially from the clinical types? Well, I think that that in the beginning, for the first probably twelve to fifteen years, it was brutal. Uh, my life was um, altered in big ways. Um, they they tried to basically destroy destroy me personally um, and and both professionally personally and, and anybody I worked with. Um, the state tried to put us out of business for eight years. Um, it, it was just a nightmare. But that's how. That's a, how a paradigmatic shift happens. When you, when you sort of break the glass, when you're the guy that says, no, I'm not going to believe this and there's a better way, and you start to tell the truth, uh, people freak out, you know, and you, you're, you're, you're poking a lion. And, uh, but I outlived it. You know, I sort of just kept moving forward, and I, I kept my focus on helping people and trying to find the truth. And I found that there were many good, solid researchers out there that had, uh, you know, totally discredited the disease concept for decades we've known that this disease idea is is bunk um but but the insurance companies need it they need a diagnostic code to to reimburse for rehabs that's what this is all about so um yeah it was not it was not fun today we coexist because if you last long enough um and they realize they don't they really don't want a public debate with somebody that actually knows the truth. That's the last thing they want. So they, now they don't poke the bear over here, you know? Um, yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's pretty good. I mean, it takes a lot uh, these days. So first of all, congratulations for being able to outlast. Uh, fortunately, uh, that was a point in time where the cancel culture wasn't so personal uh, and you didn't have a bunch of insane strangers trying to destroy you on the Twitter sphere. But I think the type of canceling you were receiving at that point is probably way more destructive. I mean, like you said, you had people trying to destroy you uh, on a professional level. Uh, you know, you as the co-founder of the Baldwin Research Institute. And uh, the uh, St. Jude Retreats, which uh, just for the listener's benefit, if they're not familiar, was the first residential non-12-step model for drug and alcohol uh, problems. Uh, it's, it's such a good story when you can outlast. I, I've had the privilege of talking to a few folks who've had to fight against the unconventional fights where they're either battling the current paradigm or they're battling the government. And in either case, if you can outlast them and hang on, that is a major feat in and of itself. So congratulations on that in, <laughs> alone. But I love <laughs> yeah. the fact that it's still based on helping people. Uh, what is the biggest conclusion uh, through all your research that you found that you feel like everyone needs to know uh, regardless yeah. of what else they come away from from these uh, discussions? Yeah. Yeah, well, a couple of things. I think the biggest difference between what we do, the freedom model is based on three human attributes, and that's free will, autonomy, and the pursuit of happiness. Every other modality with drug addiction is based on limiting people. It's based on no free will, that the drug actually has more power than you do, which is sort of a bizarre idea when you really think about it, that a substance has more personified power than a human being that that that's a made-up concept that started in 1935 um and you know so so and 
the threat of consequences is what pushes you towards abstinence in the conventional model when the pursuit of happiness is what we promote. Um, and the pursuit of happiness is a, is a lasting motivator when the threat of consequences and the threat of trade-offs that are bad, uh, they don't last. You know, you, you, can, you can smack yourself with a hammer, but that's not going to stop you from building your house because if you want to live in a beautiful home, you'll build it. And so I just looked at really what my crowning achievement as a researcher is and was is, is the idea that I've, I've shown people how human beings are actually motivated. Their drug addiction really isn't an addiction. It's a preference based on their pursuit of happiness. And so without judgment, I tell people, listen, you can get past this because you have a preference and preferences can change. It's very natural to change them. We just need to challenge why you like it so much. And that, that absolutely resonates with people because it's the truth. And this idea of hiding behind a, a disease that has no pathology, that has no basis in disease nomenclature, it, it, there, there, is no, there is no compelled use. You're not using beyond your will. Um, so, so teaching people they have a disease they don't have can only harm them in the long run. So, so there's a lot there that I just unpackaged for, for your listeners, but it's, it's a massive difference between the freedom model and what I call the control model, which is all the rest of the treatment industry. Right. Well, I mean, that's probably the most important thing for people to remember in dealing with their daily lives regardless. So much of what goes on in your life you have more control of than you realize, at least yeah. for most folks. You get to, you get to choose – uh, your mood. I mean, it's real easy for somebody to drag you down, but if you choose not to let them, they won't. You have a choice every day. At the end of the day, if if you have uh, fewer uh, digits in that bank account than you would like, and you've got some things that you want to have, you can either A, keep working at saving up till you can get it, or B, you can go home, and uh, thanks to the miracle of the internet, you can uh, peruse all the things you want and sit there and make yourself miserable, and then you're going to be miserable. And I would imagine... Uh, that uh, getting people to simply understand uh, that they have that level of control, uh, that has to be life-altering, not just when it comes to addiction, but uh, in almost every facet. Uh, have you seen in helping these people that type of uh, epiphany moment where they realize that it's not just for this, but it encompasses everything? Oh, Yeah. Absolutely. The freedom model applies to everything because really what we're talking about are the human attributes you're born with, right? You have autonomy. You're your own person with your own thoughts and drives and preferences, right? Um, you have free will. Free will is an absolute. You, you, are, you are a chooser. We are an amazingly resilient creature, we humans. Um, and so – yeah, if you teach people they have the ability to choose and that it's absolute, they're always choosing, and they're their own person with their own drives, and that they are primarily motivated by their pursuit of happiness, and you really parse that out with people, they're flabbergasted at how quickly they can get over an addiction easily. They're flabbergasted at how quickly their life – when I started this, there was an original researcher that taught me. His name is Jerry Brown. And uh, he was a career researcher wondering why people were dying in rehabs. And, and I was his research assistant. When he did the method with me back in 1989, 
within the first year, I successfully accomplished 32 goals that I thought when I wrote the list were ridiculous. I thought there's no way this is all going to happen in my life. And I accomplished all of them in less than a year. I was blown away. Um, but it's only because I put the right motivation. I became aware of how I actually think. And this isn't hokey stuff. This is very, very practical. There's one thing I want to say also. This, you asked earlier, what, what would you want to tell the listeners? 90, over 90% of people, whether they get treated or not, that have a very serious drug problem, including withdrawal and dependence, will get over the problem, whether they're treated or not, when you factor in age. In other words, it's very natural for us to move past an addiction. And that's a statistic that isn't based on a small study. It's based on the largest study ever conducted by the government, a very valid study called NISARC. And it was done in 2005, over, over 18 years. The, the, the study showed that people just naturally move on, and you never hear that. You always hear that addiction is, a, is an endless, chronic, progressive nightmare. And, and it is bad. Don't get me wrong. I'm not downplaying how bad it is. But we get over it. We get over it. Now, what I do is I speed up that process so you don't have to wait that time. I, make it, I give you the information up front to make that decision quicker. So that's what we do at St. Jude's and the Freedom Line. Yeah. Well, you know, that is uh, phenomenal because you're right. You never hear that uh, a lot of people progress past it unless you happen to know somebody who's managed to do that. The image we have is people uh, – junkies with needles in their arms uh, in the ditch somewhere and eventually they uh, end up dying because they either overdose or they die from exposure or it's just some tragic end which certainly happens uh, for those Correct. who choose to continue down that path and again uh, you don't hear a lot about that functioning cocaine addict for example uh, and i think it would probably blow people's minds if they realize how many folks uh, become addicted to cocaine and manage to function through their lives and if they can avoid drug testing you probably would never realize they were on it and and those folks eventually move past it's, it it That's is exactly an astounding right. yeah it's an astounding thing but uh as unfortunately i i've been uh, very uh, very enthralled with the conversation because I am very interested in your research uh, and uh, the things that the message you're bringing because I think it is a, an important uh, message, first of all, but I do believe that it is something that is so counterintuitive because of what we're constantly told. I still definitely want to get your take on what we've seen as far as upticks uh, in destructive behaviors uh, since the COVID-19 lockdowns began. Yeah. Uh, obviously, yeah. certain locations uh, have been affected. At different levels uh, it has to do with uh, different uh, models for how uh, different uh, states have tried to deal with it. But uh, for a lot of folks, we saw heavy lockdowns early on. And, uh, you know, a lot of folks like myself were talking about the potential risk and hazards of people who are accustomed to getting out. Uh, being in a lockdown situation uh, for a long time, uh, it has a chime, has that opportunity to allow those destructive tendencies to mm -hmm. uh, really seep in, uh, especially folks that are susceptible to the negative uh, thoughts. Uh, how have you seen this playing out, and uh, and uh, what has been your impression so far? Yeah, well, unfortunately, we've seen a massive, massive increase in overdose rates. Uh, already this year, we're up 42% over 
2019, which let me give the numbers on that. When it, this is opioid deaths alone. So uh, we usually have over the last three years an average of around 50,000 people who die uh, from overdose. You know, it might be suicide, but but they have opium in their opiate in their their system. Um, that that means that this year we we could see anywhere between 20 and 30,000 additional deaths. This is not a small thing. Um, locking people in in their houses and um, fearing them into compliance uh, is a terrible thing to do to humans. Um, and Unfortunately, our culture believes that stress causes addiction in a lot of uh, demographics. That's not necessarily true, by the way, but regardless, if you believe it, it becomes true, right? Um, and it affects the way you behave. And so we're seeing that. We're seeing that there's two, two problems. One is uh, sequestering people is unnatural. It's um, taking away a social life, the ability to work, right? Um, I, I We live in New York here, so... we we our lockdown is downright silly at this point so it's 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 very detrimental so we're seeing a 42% increase wow in uh, if you're not right there you really have no idea now i'm actually uh, broadcasting out of tennessee and we opened back up uh, a little while back and our lockdown while we had the mandatory stay at homes really was kind of only uh, in effect for a couple of weeks before people were out and about and doing stuff. Now, I was actually staying home because I had an injury to my ankle, so I wasn't able to get out. About. So I, I would like to claim that I was being a good boy, but I can't swear that I wouldn't have gotten out if I, if I had been right, more mobile. Right, right, but, right. When we were able to get back to work and things opened up, I, I got to tell you at this point, it is I, – I open up a news story, and I, and I start to read it, and it boggles my mind that any place is still locked down, but I know this is still uh, the preset. So uh, again, uh, the places where people are packed the closest together, obviously it's where uh, any communicable disease is at its most dangerous so places like New York do need to take it more seriously, uh, but I, I can't imagine, again, having been to New York City a few times, uh, knowing uh, the the restaurants, the theater, uh, the, all of the, just freaking Times Square, all the – you know, in my case, all the touristy things. Uh, yeah, but so yeah. much of that culture, I, I can't imagine uh, ever going to Times Square and only seeing like two or three people. That it would just blow my mind. Uh, how detrimental would you say it has been just from what you have personally seen, though? Because, uh, I mean, you've got that firsthand I'm in New York uh, view. Yeah, well, I we're in upstate New York. Luckily, my retreat is way out in the middle of nowhere land on 80 acres up on a plateau. <laughs> so I'm very lucky. I'm upstate, way upstate. Um, but I have employees that work in the city and I've traveled down there and it's ghost town. You know, it's not so much now. It's a lot has opened up, but it's been devastating on small business. Absolutely. My state is, is absolutely wiped out economically. It's crazy what we're doing. It's, it's, I'm going to say something, maybe it's politically incorrect, but the folly of trying to control a microorganism is, it is at this point ridiculous here. 
I, you know, I can't speak for other places, but there's absolutely no reason to have a lockdown at this point. We need to let people get back to work and move on with their lives, and, and it's just not happening. And I'm not sure that in New York it's really going to come back um, just because the policies are so draconian here. And, uh, the, and the taxes. And there's all, there, we had so many problems prior to COVID. This just was the icing on the cake. Um, just the, the politics here are so bad. So it's, it's been, all around, it's been a, a pretty rough go, you know. Um, I think, the, to be honest, the red states have, have done relatively well with it. Um, but I hate to say it, but the blue states haven't. I mean, they, you know, and I know we, we have more people, but the truth is, um, for instance, Having these policies applied to upstate in the country, how does that help? You know, it just doesn't make any sense. So a lot of that was right. uh, was just wrong. It's just wrong what they did. Right. Well, first of all, sir, uh, politically incorrect statements are typically welcome here, so never worry about that <laughs> part of it. Uh, but yeah, I, and that is something too. If you're not uh, familiar with the area, if you haven't uh, gone uh, to New York and stepped outside of the, the city, you probably don't realize how much beautiful farmland and how many uh, uh, different ranches. Well, not ranches, but uh, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm trying to think of the appropriate words. But uh, you know, uh, there's just a lot of farming and a lot of great uh, country uh, life uh, throughout the state once you get away from some of the population centers. Uh, and you do make a great point as far as it's insane to uh, try to treat every area identically because you don't face the same challenges. Um, I think one of the scariest aspects that happened in New York was the uh, the order that uh, required COVID-positive uh, patients to return to nursing homes. Uh, that, to me, seemed pretty – well uh, – oh. It pretty, was, it was pretty stupid. <laughs> I, I was I, trying to was, think of a, was, a nicer way to put it. Go ahead. Yeah, it was it was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. It kicked it killed six thousand seniors who would not have died. People don't realize what what's going on here. I mean it's and that's a conservative number. Some estimates are up around twelve thousand. So we're talking my grandmother died alone in a hospital. I mean it, it, we couldn't go in and see her. That's nuts. That's just crazy. Um, and she was on a floor alone in a hospice floor. We could have went in. Um, these, these policies are, you know, she was on this planet for more than 80 years, and we, we couldn't see her pass on. These are the types of things that are real, that they're real. They're really happening. So, um, and people, get, the politicians get away with it. I, it's unbelievable to me what's happening. But it, it, it's the times we live in. You know, and uh, now this is really a political football at this point. It's just a means of control. When any time you have a policy that treats everybody the same and it eliminates a personal choice, for instance, masking everybody, right? Everybody has to wear it. Anytime you have that sort of blanket one-size-fits-all policy from the top down, it's going to have ramifications like 20 to 30,000 people are going to overdose. Nobody thought about that. I did. I mean, I did. I sat there and said, this is going to be devastating. Um, but, you know, they thought, you know, they didn't think about those things. So, uh, yeah, I'm glad you brought this up. A lot, of, a lot of people won't bring these types of issues up. But, but yeah, people are dying needlessly. 
You know, unfortunately, I feel like uh, a lot of the legacy media just won't. And if we don't discuss it, if we can't have these conversations, we can't fix it for next time. Uh, because okay. the, the scariest truth that we all need to keep in mind is COVID-19 will not be the last pandemic we see. Uh, hopefully it will be a nice long time before we see another one, but it won't be the last, and we really do need to learn. I think the most important thing that we should all be learning from this is there are still occasions where an issue should not be a political one. It should be a human one, and I think that's yeah. where a lot of folks have lost sight on this one, sadly. Yeah, hey, you know, uh, for sure. I, I, I hate to. Because it's been a really good conversation, and I've enjoyed it. I hope you felt the same way, Mark. But uh, we're quickly running out of time. So please let all the listeners know where they can find your work, share any websites you'd like to. And if you're inviting people to follow you on social media, feel free to share uh, those contact and uh, handles and whatever else you'd like to as well. Okay. Uh, the website, there are two. One is soberforever.net. That's our retreat if you need help. That's soberforever.net, one word. Um, and then for general information on our book, uh, thefreedommodel.org. And if you want help right away, the phone number would be 888-424-2626. Thank All you for right. having Again, me Mark, on, thank so. you. Oh, thank you so much for coming on. I greatly appreciate it. And uh, I certainly hope we'll be able to get back together sometime and continue the conversation because there's a lot of fascinating things about both the freedom model that I'd love to get into more and uh, to continue to get your take on uh, both how COVID is affecting folks. And again, I'm really, really interested in in particular talking to experts about uh, the uh, the. Uh, addiction with uh, the, the the modern addictions. I'm trying to think of uh, the proper terminology here, and it's not coming to me. But we're facing addictions today that's not like the addictions of the past, where uh, you know a lot of narcotics, uh, you would face the addiction, and then maybe you would decide to make a change, and you would go through the withdrawal. You'd go through the treatments, and then maybe you would backslide once or twice at the most. But if you went through all the trouble of going through withdrawal, you didn't want to do that very many times. So normally if you go through the effort to get clean, you would. But now we see these opioids where people are uh, getting high one time and suddenly their brain's rewired. It doesn't matter how many times they go through withdrawal. They still have that constant uh, uh, pull to that. So I, that's something I'd love to have a, a deeper conversation with you with at some time too because that to me seems like something that your method is uh, very uniquely qualified for trying to get in there and get people to make that uh, adjustment. So, again, thank you so much, and I do hope we can speak again sometime very soon. All right, Tim. I would love to have that conversation. Thanks for having me on. All right, sir. Thank you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is Mr. Mark Sheeran. Now, I don't currently have uh, the usual contact information in the show description. I will, I promise, go back and get those links into the show description. So if you guys want to come back later and hit it and do the follow-up. But in the meanwhile, uh, he gave you all the pertinent information right there, and you can just go back and re-listen. We are past the halfway point of this hour, boys and girls, so um, you know what that means. It is time for the Edwards Notebook. 
for the songs and stories for Soldiers Veterans Tip of the Day. And uh, we may even still try to do, I don't know, maybe, uh, you know, uh, a voter apathy project, perhaps. In the meanwhile, you guys don't go anywhere. I'll be right back right after this. At one time, people who fought against oppression sought to replace it with liberty. But my, how times have changed. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, Bernal Tremel, owner of Expression Publications in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, was murdered by a gun blast to the head, not because he was rioting, raping, or defacing private property, but simply because he was an individual who realized that continuing to vote Democrat was equal to setting one's life on a path to a dead-end existence. Tremel would quietly stand on city street corners holding Vote Trump signs as well as signs plastered with biblical verses, was murdered in broad daylight by a typical socialist-oriented black person who obviously did not appreciate Mr. Tremel's right to freely express his views peacefully. Detectives say that they are investigating the possibility that Bernal Tremel was murdered for his political views. Law enforcement sources said that a suspect drove up and shot Tremel in front of his own business. Tremel's murder only strengthens my resolve to fight for our unalienable rights. I'm Ron Edwards. Check out theronedwards.com. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. Hello and welcome to Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans Tip of the Day. I'm Dan Perkins. Are you like me and you can't manage your prescription refills that always seem to be out? Well, now the VA service has a great service for you. With this service, you can refill your VA prescriptions online, view your past and current VA prescriptions, and track the delivery of each prescription mailed to you. For more information, go to the VA.com and look for the prescription refill program. This has been your Veterans Tip of the Day. Hello, America. This is Tim Tapp with the Tap into the Truth Voter Apathy Project. Do you believe that Joe Biden is a friend of black Americans? Do you believe that BLM, the organization, actually cares about black Americans? Do you think that a Marxist revolution would be good for black communities in this country? Then congratulations. You've got what it takes to be part of the voter apathy project you've already demonstrated that you have paid zero attention to the 36 years joe biden spent as a united states senator plus the eight years he spent as vice president of the united states you've proven that you've not been paying attention to black americans being killed at a record pace during recent riots and violence in great american cities plus the usual stuff in chicago You've also not been listening as original Black Lives Matter organizers have been leaving the organization publicly, announcing that the movement has been hijacked. And you've also not been paying attention in history class when the conversation of Marxist communism, Marxist socialism has been taught. Because if you had, you would know that not only have more people been killed in the name of Marxism than any other political movement in history – 
but that it is indeed openly racist, specifically directed at black people. Yes, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. If you said yes to any of those questions, maybe you should go back to 8th grade history class. This has been Tim Tapp reminding you that if you don't care enough to tap into the truth, maybe you should just stay home on Election Day. everybody you guys just stay home on election day you guys don't bother mailing in ballots you guys don't bother trying to early vote you don't do any of that if you're not willing to tap into the truth and garner a little understanding does that sound harsh good it's meant to be now granted again the voter apathy project is based on a satirical mindset i don't really not want you to participate in elections i just want you to take the time to really understand what you're voting for stop just mindlessly following a party stop just buying in without thought or consideration to what the legacy media is telling you spend a little time and as i usually say at the end of every broadcast use your brain that is really the only way you're actually going to tap into the truth. And speaking of tapping into the truth, allow me to take this opportunity to thank each and every person that is listening via terrestrial radio. That includes the fine, fine folks at KYAH 540 AM. Thank you so much for tuning in as I bring a little East Tennessee flavor to Utah's Talk Authority. If you're listening at WCET Radio, thank you so much. Uh, whether you're listening at WCETFM.com or via the app, thank you for listening worldwide there. We do occasional live broadcasts there too. I hope you will join me. Uh, more often than not, you'll have that opportunity to hear me at 7 p.m. Eastern on Wednesdays and on Fridays. And then starting at Tuesday p.m. Eastern, and you get the full two hours on that block on Sundays. So you'll hear us live, providing, of course, that there's not some kind of crazy technical snafu. Uh, in fact, there's a high possibility that Wednesday's uh, simulcast may be at issue because I've been having lots of technical glitches here lately and uh, having to try to operate the butt system on my own, broadcasting directly without the aid of my fine, fine cohort and uh, crazy Cajun. It may be problematic. Of course, to be honest, the way the weather is uh, going to be acting up and the way things have gone here lately, who knows if I'm even going to be able to broadcast. But I really hope I am because I am scheduled – as is the norm for Wednesdays, to be joined in the first hour by Mr. Ron Edwards himself. And in the second hour, I am scheduled to be joined by an individual that I've been trying to reach out to for a long time, but finally, finally have been able to, uh, I guess, wear down her defenses. Miss Marsha Blackburn is scheduled to join us now. We're going to be talking a little bit about her new book, but I'm going to see uh, – uh, how much she's enjoying these uh, Republican conventions up to this point. Uh, so uh, we'll we'll go from there. I love Marsha Blackburn. I, I love everything about her. And she's from right here in Tennessee, which is what uh, would make you think I would have more success at scheduling her. And yet it's been a struggle, <laughs> but a struggle that has been worth it. Uh, so uh, be sure to come and listen live if you can. It's going to be uh, going to be an interesting conversation. But before 
Before we get into anything else, I would like to remind each and every one of you that one of the most important things that I have witnessed so far in the Republican convention, and uh, that of course being from night one, is I saw people who are genuine heroes. Tim Scott is a hero. He is. I mean, when you think about it, from Cotton to Congress in one lifetime, and he's willing to tell the positive story. When you've got uh, Nikki Haley, she is a hero. Indian descent, governor of the state of South Carolina, became the UN ambassador, and she was quite possibly the best ambassador to the UN that we've had. And I genuinely liked uh, Bolton in that role. Um, he's a bit of a bit of a hawk, bit of a warmonger. I, I will grant you all that's true, but I, I like the no nonsense and. Uh, yeah, if you get out of line, we'll smack you down. I kind of like that at the UN. I think the UN needs more of that from the United States, quite honestly. But I, I really liked uh, Nikki and, and that role. But I liked some of the other heroes, the heroes like Herschel Walker and Maxima Alvarez. I, I, I mean, just true, honest-to-goodness people. Those are the names that pop out, but there were a lot of great speakers that first night, so I'm going to try to get to that point. But when I think of heroes, I also think of – yeah, I'm going to try to sell you something – Hero Soap. The fine folks over at Hero Soap Company are without question, without a doubt, the most America-first company on the freaking planet. It's veteran-owned. That's no small thing. They – are still making the product by hand. They're not using harsh chemicals. They're not adding fake fragrances. They're using essential oils. They're using quality products, and they give back as well. They uh, they give to charities that deal with our veterans, that deal with our uh, other heroes in uniform, first responders in particular. They source all of their ingredients by other American companies. They source their gear and their merchandise from American companies. They are literally America first in every way that can be achieved given what they do. They still uh, – at least the last time I checked, the bundle pack is back in place, so you can uh, order a bundle pack, try multiple uh, varieties of what they have available, and not have to pay shipping on that price tag. And uh, if you sign up for a subscription, uh, I love to play on words, for every uh, bar of soap that you get from them uh, via the subscription, they will send uh, a bar of soap to one of our men or women in uniform out there in harm's way. These things come in these great MRE-style resealable pouches that keeps it clean, dry, and easy to transport. Whether you're going camping or putting emergency gear in your bug-out bag, whatever you want to do with it, it's just fantastic. So please follow the link in the show description. It would do a lot to, uh, first of all, help keep you clean, to help support other heroes, and uh, while you're at it, uh, send a little love my way too. I ask you to follow that link. So that they know I sent you, and that's pretty much it. Now, <laughs> oh, uh, <laughs> you know, a chief in the chat room uh, uh, posted up also saying that, and I would like to remind dead people to not vote. 
they always seem to vote Democrat. Uh, they do, strangely enough. A lot of dead people and a lot of fictional characters, although I have noticed in recent elections a lot of the fictional characters have, uh, have stopped voting. You know, it's not that they no longer vote Democrat. It's just that a lot of them have just stopped. But I guess the names like Mickey Mouse and uh, Superman are showing up on the uh, screens for questionnaires. All right. I want to try to hit a, uh, some quick hitters real quick. I am quickly running out of time, which never ceases to amaze me how quickly that happens, especially when there's good stuff. But uh, one of the stories I came across that just really upset me. Uh, I'm going to make sure I get this one in, and then I'm going to hopefully sneak one or two others uh, just quick hits in after that if I have time. But this one's more important. Uh, looters in California uh, invaded the wildfire zone, and uh, they stole a firefighter's wallet. They literally drained his bank account as this man was out in harm's way battling flames trying to keep people safe. Now, how sickening is that? I mean this man literally is out and about doing the job that these people – they don't even want to make a sandwich for themselves. But uh, this guy's out there saving people's lives, saving people's homes, and the thanks he gets is a bunch of looters show up and steal his stuff and take all the money out of his account before he has a chance to know. So uh, here's the deal. California wildfires, which have so far – Torched more than a million acres of land, including parts of the state's historic redwood forest, have become a target for looters. And at least one firefighter had his bank account completely drained as he risked his life battling the historic place. California's ongoing historic wildfires have forced tens of thousands of people from their homes, and police say looters are taking advantage of the empty houses. This is from USA Today. In one case, a looter took advantage of an unoccupied car. Santa Cruz County Sheriff Jim Hart uh, told the newspaper on Sunday and then told reporters that a California firefighter's Marked vehicle was burglarized. So this wasn't a case of the guy drove an unmarked vehicle uh, to a zone to report for duty. This is a case where they knew it was a firefighting vehicle. So there really is no limit to how low these people will stoop. The looters apparently entered the firefighter's truck as he and his crew were fighting to control the Santa Cruz blaze sometime between Friday evening of last week and Saturday morning. In a matter of hours, they had taken his possessions and allegedly drained his bank account using a debit card, this according to the Santa Cruz Sheriff's Office. That's the extent these people have gone, a quote from California Department of Forestry and Fire Protection Battalion Chief Mark Burton. He said this at a press conference, and he continued saying, <clears throat> back to quoting, again, this is why we've asked the people to evacuate. The sheriff's department has done a fantastic job in trying to wrangle this, but again, this is what we have to – this is what we have as a result. Santa Cruz Sheriff's Office did not comment extensively on the case, except to say that the investigation had been opened. But the Santa Cruz County Sheriff Jim Hart did tell reporters that he, quote, can't imagine a bigger 
lowlife. To me, it's just mind-boggling that somebody would have the audacity to do something like that. I'm confident we're going to find that person. When we do, we're going to keep him in the county jail, and we're going to hand that case over to the DA, and the DA is going to hammer this guy. Did he say, and I have no empathy, I have no patience for somebody who is going to come into our community and steal from people who, who've been evacuated and victimized and traumatized. Santa Cruz, along with other California law enforcement agencies, have beefed up in recent days to handle the spike in looting. Santa Cruz has arrested eight people so far for taking advantage of the evacuation order by ransacking abandoned Residences. <laughs> and dead cats. Uh, chief in the chat room, uh, still on the uh, dead people don't vote. Uh, also, dead cats do not need to vote. And uh, yeah, that's that's from a real story. If you don't know, it's for chief is referencing <laughs> somebody who received a mail-in ballot for their long deceased cat. Uh, happened a few weeks back. Uh, yeah, I mean, what can you say uh, about this? I mean, people have been forced to evacuate, and there's somebody who wants to show up and take everybody's stuff. It is pretty low life. Now, I do do tend to contend that there's a certain class of folks that are a little more low life. Um, you know, people like Governor Cuomo of New York who wants to order old people in the nursing homes who have COVID, uh, wants to kill a bunch of uh, seniors, and then wants to try to blame it on the Trump administration, when the most important part of the Trump administration's uh, advisory is that it is completely appropriate to let sick people go back to these facilities as long as it is can be safely done. That seems like an important qualifier to include in your discussions, Governor. Now, that's probably more low life than somebody just showing up to loot, steal, and pillage from folks who were forced to evacuate because there was a historic massive fire coming in their direction. <laughs> I don't know. I, I see a story like that, and I just kind of – I just kind of lose heart, you know. All right, a couple of things I wanted to just kind of briefly touch on. Uh, there's a story going around right now. You can find it multiple sources. Uh, pretty sure they're covering this one at uh, Daily Wire, Daily Caller, and The Blaze. But uh, a lifelong Democrat uh, called in and told the folks at C-SPAN that he's literally switching to the GOP. Saying, quote, they put God into everything. Now, if you watch the GOP, GOP speeches, it is clear that there is math, math, that, <laughs> that there is a certain amount of faith uh, that permeates the platform and permeates the message. Faith in America, faith in your fellow Americans, and yes, faith in God. But it wasn't just smack right out there, pow, pow, pow. I'm going to try and uh, lecture you. I'm not going to try to bring you a sermon from on high. 
but it was there, and, and you had to be paying attention to get it. But I mean, I loved the opening night of the convention, and I, I don't know when you're going to hear this broadcast, but it was done live on Tuesday night, right after the opening. I loved it because everything about it felt so genuine. Everything about it, except for the one speech from Gelfoy, uh, because she seemed to have forgot there wasn't a big crowd there, but uh, continued to give it her all. And it, it wasn't a bad speech either, uh, but it did seem a bit awkward because you know there was no crowd to react to what she was saying, and and hers was written very much to have crowd reaction. There was just a positive feel. America is good. Uh, Americans are good. God is good. God has blessed this nation and will continue to bless this nation as long as we keep in mind that uh, he has. You know, I, there is a need for a spiritual life for a lot of folks. Now, you may not follow a Christian model, and I'm not here to judge you. I'm not. I think that's way above my pay grade. But I can certainly see where somebody could have watched that, and if you were paying attention and if you really got what they were saying, you can certainly feel the undertones. It's a lot like what I said the other day uh, when we were talking about the Blaze, uh, the stuff going on at the Blaze Network. There is an underpinning of faith in almost everything, even the stuff that doesn't seem much like it. Now, some of them, pretty strong faith is clear. Other times uh, is take the Glenn Beck show, for example, when uh, when all the little sidekicks are there and they're telling their little jokes and they're having a lot of fun with it. And it's entertaining radio. Uh, it's not the greatest radio uh, by a lot of standards. Now, I'm a fan. I always enjoyed Glenn Beck. I, I, I do think Glenn Beck can come across a little bit sandimonious uh, quite frequently. Um, but I have no question and no doubt that a majority of the time, at least, uh, he's being sincere. Uh, but regardless of all that, I, I think this is a similar case. So be that as it may, let the chips fall where they do. Uh, I heard that there's way more than just one supposed lifelong Democrat who tuned in and was watching CNN to get just the speeches and, and not get a lot of analysis from the talking heads. Uh, who have really opened their eyes to the fact that the orange man who's bad may not be quite as bad as they've been led to believe. Another story uh, making headlines, uh, the governor of Wisconsin was out here defending his decision to deploy the National Guard. Part of his defense was he was making the claim that the military is there to protect protesters. Don't think the protesters are the ones needing uh, the protection, Un unless you're actually talking about legitimate protesters. I'm sorry, I, I, I'm a victim like everyone else on this. Uh, the legacy media and all the Democratic office holders have taken to calling all the rioters protesters too. So, you know, I, you hear that so many times, eventually it slips into your mind, right? It permeates into your brain. And, and, very, very devious. That is their plan, by the way, just FYI. And usually once you know that's the plan, you can be resistant to it. But when I hear politicians now use the word protesters, I just automatically go to thinking that they're talking about the rioters. Now, that's not fair. It's not because there are legitimate protesters out there. There's a few of them. It's happening. It's a real thing. 
Stop looking at me that way. It's true. <laughs> but uh, we've heard it so much. But that seems a bit of a stretch. Uh, let's face facts. You needed to call up the National Guard. Uh, the National Guard was not as successful as it should have been as there were still fires in Kenosha. And there are still both police and uh, some of the National Guard who were assaulted and attacked. Things need to be squashed there. And things need to be calmed down. And we need to stop having so-called thought leaders out there telling us, well, I'm not going to call for people to be peaceful because we tried that. Really? When? When did you try that? Please explain that to me. I'm sorry. Last time you tried that was Martin Luther King Jr. And by the way, it was working then. A lot of progress was made then. You guys have managed to undo in a very short amount of time the progress that was made there. You have managed to take people who would have been on your side had you been reasonable and you've managed to alienate them too because you don't want them to be on your side because you now are the racist. You now believe that just because somebody happens to be white, they can't possibly understand you. So therefore, they can't possibly be your ally. They are racist just because they're white. That's wrong and racist, by the way. Hard to imagine. That is where we are at in America today, boys and girls. So I don't know. Uh, obviously not enough time to go in-depth into that story as much as I would like to because I would love to get more uh, from that. But, hey, it is what it is. California Highway Patrol now has issued document telling officers, quote, no displaying the thin blue line items. Say what? Hello? I mean <sighs> – I know it's California, and I know California is run by the Uber left, but seriously, you're going to tell the California Highway Patrol they're not allowed to display any thin blue line items at all? Seriously? I, I, I wish I could say I was surprised by that. I wish I could say I was shocked by that. It is outlandish behavior. It should be shocking behavior, but it is exactly the kind of behavior that we have come to expect from the uber loony leftist. Thank you. Evidently, KFC's decided to drop the finger-licking good slogan um, because of COVID. <laughs> I mean, I haven't actually heard very many people reference finger-licking good in a long time. Uh, bottom line here is, though, you're not supposed to be licking other people's fingers, okay? So the only way you could spread COVID by licking your own fingers is if either, A, you already have COVID, and then you're nasty and do not wash your hands after, or, B, uh, somebody gets a little too close to you while you're licking your fingers, and you already have COVID, and you sneeze on them because they got too close. Uh, there's not too many options here. COVID is not going to be spread by somebody licking their own fingers unless they do highly grotesque and inappropriate things even before COVID, uh, after they've done so. So uh, I almost wish KFC had went a different route. Uh, Roger Goodell offered a backhanded apology to Colin Kaepernick, uh, stating we had invited him in several times. Please stop apologizing. The guy doesn't want to play in the NFL anyway. It would ruin his rep. All right. Uh, we're going to leave it at there, although uh, another story we'll be watching we'll probably bring up tomorrow with uh, Ron. Evidently, some of the rioters have tried to burn alive police, stealing 
a door with apparent concrete substance during a fire, according to one report. The insanity continues, and that's what leads me to say this and this alone. Don't take my word for it. Not one little bit of it, but please, whatever else you do, don't take their word for it either. Be prepared to put in some effort and more importantly to use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. And meanwhile, you guys out there, stay safe, uh, stay healthy, and uh, be smart, even if it kind of goes against your nature. I'm out. Hope to see you tomorrow night. Have a great one. Is using both hands.